On today's episodes of Shretz Takes, we're going to talk about the James Harden deal with the Brooklyn Nets. I'm going to go into the details again, but I'm also going to talk about just the deal in general, what it means for Brooklyn. Are they really going to win the NBA championship? I'm also going to break down the idea of forcing your way out of the team and in the NBA and just whether that's actually something that people should be looking at in admiration. Then I'm also going to be talking about Urban Meyer going to the Jags and Robert Sala going to the Jets, what those coaches can bring to those franchises, what I think of the moves personally, and just the overall development of all this kind of stuff. But this is the Shred Takes podcast show. Welcome back to the Shred Takes Podcast Show. And I'm Michael Shredder. I'm glad you guys can join us again today, wherever you're listening, Apple Podcasts, YouTube, Spotify. I'm very glad that you're joining this podcast and listening to it. Now, what a week in sports, right? First of all, then you have you have Houston Rockets struggling and James Harden calling his teammates saying they're not good enough and this team's not good enough and he doesn't think the situation can be fixed. And now he's a Brooklyn net. Now you have Katie Kyrie and James Harden under one roof coached by Steve Nash, a team that everyone is thinking, or the majority of people are thinking is going to easily win the championship. You have guys like Rob Parker, Skip Bayless, and you have guys even from ESPN talking about how great this trade is. And a lot of people just generally think this is the great move for the Brooklyn nets. And this will put them over the top. When I think of the NBA, I think of styles, right? I don't think always of talent. I think of how these players can work. When talented players come together and it works, it generally works because of style. How could anyone think that these three players are going to fit together in terms of style? How do you think that's going to work? Now, let's take a look at that, right? You've got James Harden, who is a ball-dominant player, who has lived his entire Houston career off of dribbling the basketball loads of times between his legs and taking step back threes and getting the free throw line, right? Very ball dominant guy has been either first or second in usage rate each year. Got a guy in Kyrie Irving, right? Who needs to take 20 shots a game to get 27 points, right? That's what he was getting at the moment. And he needs the ball in his hands a lot too, right? That's kind of who he is, right? He can survive with a guy like LeBron, even though LeBron's ball dominant, he can survive with that because LeBron will pass him the ball and let him be Kyrie. But then you also have Kevin Durant, who right now looks like the second best player in basketball, right now is averaging 29 points a game, and right now is only shooting 17 shots to get that 29 points. For people who say this is going to work, I don't know, right? I'm, I'm under the assumption that I, I don't think this is a very good move because I think you lost a lot of your youth and young pieces and your defense. That's the problem here. Right. And also, look, I'll break down the styles in a second. Right. Which I kind of just did there. But the problem is, look, you lose Karis Levert. You lose four first round draft picks, four draft swaps. You lose Torian Prince and you lose Jared Allen. Right. Jared Allen, Torian Prince are now with the Cavs. Karis Levert has now made the Indiana Pacers substantially better. Then you also lose all those, those draft picks. Now, I understand the NBA is not about valuing as many draft picks today as it used to be. Right. Because these are the last couple of draft classes 
have not been that great compared to maybe looking at like great players in the past, such as a LeBron James, right? A Kevin Durant, a Kawhi Leonard, right? Those kind of guys, Steph Curry, right? Even though you have Luka Doncic, who's been playing out of his mind and he looks, you know, like the next great thing, there hasn't been a ton of those guys in recent drafts, which have made a lot of owners and general managers kind of scratch their head about the draft in a little bit of a sense. But Brooklyn has gotten worse, all right? And I'm, I'm going to say that right now. They have gotten worse because I don't know how these styles work out. Because you have a bunch of players who two of them desperately need the basketball to survive, right? And they're talking about sacrifice. They're talking about gelling. I mean, I watched the interview that James Harden had today. And James Harden saying his conditioning is great. Okay, right. You were out of shape when you came into camp, camp and you have been playing out of shape and non-aggressive with the Houston Rockets because you wanted out. So it's going to probably take you a little bit longer to get into shape, right? But, you know, look, I, I think he'll get into shape with the Brooklyn Nets. I think he'll be motivated. That's not the problem here. The problem is they don't have any really legitimate defenders outside of maybe Kevin Durant, right? Spencer Dinwiddie's out till March. Joe Harris is not a great defender. DeAndre Jordan is not nearly the player he once was, and he looks – at this point, a, a big-time shell of himself, right? You have Kyrie, who's not known to be a good defender. James Harden, even though he has been third in deflections, I think first in steals, he's not a great on-ball defender, right? He's a disruptor, but he's not a great defender. He's an okay defender now. He's not bad, but he's okay. And then you have Durant, who picks and chooses when he wants to play good defense. He's very good at defense, but he's not necessarily the defender that you need at this point. And that's the important part of this conversation. Right, they are not getting better defensively. Then you're also trying to put three guys who, especially two, desperately need the basketball into a situation where it has to work. The reason why the super team in Miami worked is because after the first year, Dwayne Wade and LeBron realized the sacrifice idea, and one of them was willing to sacrifice, aka Dwayne Wade sacrificing for the emergence of LeBron James to become one of the greatest players we have ever seen. The super team in Cleveland. LeBron was the best player on that team, but he's willing to sacrifice a little bit for Kyrie. And Kevin Love was willing to sacrifice. Same thing as Chris Bosch was willing to sacrifice. And also you look at the Warriors, right? Klay Thompson was willing to sacrifice. Steph Curry is willing to sacrifice for the betterment of KD. KD also sacrificed also to let Steph Curry and Klay Thompson do their thing as well, right? And there's ball movement on that team because you don't have ball-dominant guys in Steph Curry and Klay Thompson. They are not ball-dominant. KD wasn't ball-dominant. That's why that works. But who's going to sacrifice on this team? I really want a legitimate answer to that question. I don't know the answer, right? Now, you like the interviews, people say, oh, yeah, they're going to sacrifice. Don't worry, right? But just because they're saying that to me, like, they have to say that to the media. They have to say that or else they're going to be more scrutinized than they already are, right? And I think Shaq made a great point about James Harden last night. The Houston Rockets gave James Harden everything he wanted, right? And I'm not, look, I'm not questioning who James Harden, sorry, James Harden is as a person, at all. I'm questioning what he is as a player and as a leader for this franchise, how he represents the Houston Rockets as a player, right? They gave him Dwight Howard. That didn't work out. They gave him shooters. Didn't work out. Gave him Chris Paul. Didn't work out. They gave him Russell Westbrook. They got bounced in five games to the Lakers last summer. So let's look all about at all of that, right? And from where I gather that information, again, James Harden hasn't proven anything. In the last five elimination games, 
He shot 41% from the floor, 27% from three, had 32 assists and 27 turnovers, and he's one in four in his last five elimination games. Now, he better win this year if he goes to Brooklyn. I mean, the pressure is on him, right, because he needs to deliver if he goes there. This team should get out of the East, according to people's minds. If they don't, it's a failure, right? And Steve Nash will probably be in the hot seat, fairly or unfairly, right? But that I don't think this team works out because you have two guys who are high in usage rate who need the ball, who need to, you know, get in a rhythm by dribbling the ball a bunch of times, right? There's not going to be a ton of ball movement, right? Maybe look, maybe Steve Nash gets these guys to buy in. But I just, based on the egos, based on the fact that Kyrie is still gone, I don't know, right? And the fact that James Harden is, like, if things don't work out perfectly for him, he has shown the ability to want to force out situations and complain to the media and, you know, complain to the, to the general management and ownership about what's going on. Kevin Durant, I think, is the, is the odd guy in the situation because Kevin Durant's a good teammate, and Kevin Durant also is a guy that, you know, just wants to go play basketball. Now, James Harden's also the same way, but that's the overall kind of synopsis from this trade. It just doesn't work out. Now, another news, I think the Indiana Pacers actually won this trade. Why? Because they got Karis LeVert. People don't realize how good Karis LeVert is. He's a guy that averages about 19 points a game. He scored the other day, he scored 43 points. And this guy came off the bench. Now he's going to start for Indiana at the two-guard spot. Right now you have him, Malcolm, Malcolm, Brogdon, Malcolm Brogdon, sorry, Demonte Sabonis, Justin Holiday, and Miles Turner. That's a good starting five in the East. I actually like that starting five a lot. It's a good thing you can, that you can build it. They're all young, so you can build those guys in the future. I think Levert's more dependable than a guy like Oladipo. Even though I think Oladipo's a good player, I think Levert's a better player than him. I, I 100% believe that. I think Levert can turn into a major all-star candidate. I think you understand what Levert is. I think if he stays healthy, that team could be a legitimate top three, top four team in the East. They, are, they have that kind of nucleus, right? Sabonis is a guy who's very unselfish, but can get you 20 and 10 right? Miles Turner is a shot blocker and a floor spacer. Even though he's not a great floor spacer, he is a floor spacer, right? <clears throat> Justin Holiday, same kind of way. Athletic, plays defense, coachable, right? Then you got Brogdon and Levert, both, both very good guards who can really pick and choose when they had to score, how to get their teammates involved. Again, they're both guys that can put up 20 points to 30 points, no problem, right? They're both guys who average around that 19-point game of mark, right? They're both good players. And I think Indiana really got a lot better. Cleveland has an interesting situation with all this though. Cleveland has so many bigs now, so they're probably going to have to shop some of their bigs because now they have Jared Allen, Drummond, Love, and JaVale McGee. That's going to be interesting how they, you know, choose to do to move on from these guys if they do move on from some of them. Houston got a bunch of draft picks, a bunch of draft swaps, and they got Victor Oladipo, Rodians Kuruks, and Dante Exum, right? Uh, I think Oladipo can fit pretty well, interesting enough. But again, you can put maybe Oladipo off the ball for a guy like John Wall. And I, look, I think Houston actually is going to be better because I think Houston will be a team now. It won't be one guy dribbling the ball all the time. And again, I, it looks like I'm hating on James Harden, right? I don't know anything about him off the court. I, I'm looking at his game specifically on the court. That's why I think he won't work in Brooklyn because he needs the ball in his hands, needs to be elite doing it that way. That's how he scores. That's how he contributes to the game by having the ball, dribbling the ball a bunch of times to make his moves. And that's why he's a professional, you know, prolific offensive scorer. But it's also why I think he can't play with a lot of teams. And I, I, I don't really understand where Brooklyn was going with this overall. Now, Kyrie the other day was now fined one point, sorry, he was fined 500, sorry, $50,000 for his breaking of COVID protocol with that party he went to with his family. And 
What's interesting too is you look at all of this at the end of the day too, and you look at that happened. Plus, they forfeited one point six million dollars of his salary because you know he makes four hundred twenty thousand dollars a game. And look, you know, I, I, you know, I think people have already said this broken record. Look, no one is questioning the, the charitable work that Kyrie Irving has done off the court. No one's questioning him as a basketball player. They're questioning what, why he isn't going to work, right? Because, you know, again, right, he's getting paid $33.7 million to play basketball. And the other guys, whether it's for, you know, stuff that's going in the world today that's been really tough and it's been affecting a lot of guys in negative ways, right? All the rest of them are coming back and, you know, whether they're protesting or whether they're, you know, just, you know, want to speak about social injustice causes anyway, they're at least coming back and showing up to work and play, right? So hopefully Kyrie figures it out. Hopefully he comes back and play and hopefully he's bought in. But again, that's why you need James Harden if you're the Brooklyn Nets, because you don't know what Kyrie's doing half the time. So that's also the problem with all the stuff at the end of the day. And that's kind of where I go from there. Now let's go to the football trades, the football deals. I mean, more specifically winning, right? You think of winners, Nick Saban, Ryan Day, Dabo Sweeney, Mac Brown, Bear Bryant, all these great college coaches, right? Urban Meyer is also on the top of that list. And he just got to be the Jags head coach. Let's look at Urban Meyer for a second. A guy who has an 800 winning percentage, who had a over 900, sorry, over a 900 winning percentage in his time at Ohio State. And a guy who has proven everywhere he's been to develop players to win games. Now he's also been involved in a bunch of scandals and, and breached NCAA protocol. That's why he's was not a coach in, in college football anymore. But I think what he brings to the Jags is he's going to bring success to them, right? It's going to be a project, but he and Trevor Lawrence could work out. Now there's some people who think that he'll that they'll draft Justin Fields because Urban Meyer can mold him to his vision. Maybe, right? But I think they would be dumb to not take Trevor Lawrence because Trevor Lawrence is a great prospect. I'm not saying Justin Fields won't be good either, but Justin Fields is not mm-hmm. as consistent all the time as Trevor Lawrence is. Trevor Lawrence is, is consistently a better player. And I like the Urban Meyer hire for the Jags. I think he's a good coach. Now let's hope that he doesn't get them involved in some of the scandals. Make sure, let's make sure he learned from his experiences. But from a football mind, he's one of the best to ever do it. So I think it actually does work out. Now, Robert Sala is now the coach of the New York Jets. What do I think of this hire? I think, look, Robert Sala was a really good defensive coordinator for the 49ers. I think it's, it's, a, it's a good hire, right? I think that Urban Meyer is a better hire, but I think he's a good hire because I think he'll bring toughness to the Jets. They'll be defense first. They'll probably be running the football a lot and that'll allow a play action game to develop, which I think actually for them is actually very beneficial. And that's kind of where I look with that, right? If you're going to develop the Jets from just being as bad as they have been to a, a, at least a comparable football team, which will take time, you're going to have to do it probably from being a very tough physical team right? Like the Miami Dolphins have developed under Brian Flores. And I think that's also really interesting to go with all this kind of stuff and see how this develops. Urban Meyer is a offensive genius. So I think with Trevor Lawrence, and I think the fact they do have some decent weapons in Jacksonville, that could actually work out really well. I think Urban Meyer is going to do a good job there. Now he has to make sure that he learns from his past mistakes with just breaching protocol and stuff. But again, in terms of player analysis and player development, He's one of the best to ever do it. 
And in terms of winning games, he's one of the best to ever do it. So I actually think, you know, the Jags are in prime position to at least have a successful path. Now, I think Eric Bieniemy should be the next head coach of the Los Angeles Chargers. I think after this, this year with the Chiefs, he should totally look to be the Chargers head coach. Why do I think Eric Bieniemy is a good idea? Well, because Eric Bieniemy is an offensive genius. And you have weapons in Los Angeles. You have, again, a top 10 offense and a top 10 defense. But also, you have a team that was young and immature last year, couldn't close out games. And whether that's the fault of Anthony and Lynn or not, the, 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 the ultimately, the lack of success last year is going to fall upon a guy like Anthony Lynn. It, whether, and I think Anthony Lynn, you know, deserves another high coaching job somewhere. I, I think, you know, that that was a tough situation for him. But you have guys like Justin Herbert, right? Eric Bieniemy would be perfect for Justin Herbert. He would, I think, let him take the next step. And maybe the Chargers can now challenge the Chiefs for years to come because of the talent they have, right? Look, I think Justin Herbert is a good quarterback. I do. I think he had a great rookie year, and I think that he'll develop from here, right? I think he'll learn to, you know, even though he didn't turn the ball a lot, to learn how to be more, to be consistent every game, right? But not have games like he did against the Patriots and figure out ways to continue to try to be successful and win games, right? He, he's a good quarterback. I mean, he, you know, he outfield, he, he was toe-to-toe Tom Brady, toe-to-toe Drew Brees. Actually, I think he outplayed Drew Brees. And that's kind of where I go with him. I, I think that Eric Bieniemy would be a great fit with the Chargers there because of the fact that he's an offensive-minded coach and the fact that he also is a, guy that I think has been deserving and had head coaching job for a while now. And that's kind of where I go with that. And that's kind of the end of the day where I think with all this. Now I've talked early in my podcast about my, the playoff predictions, but here I'm going to just give you lastly to end up the segment, my playoff predictions for this weekend. Okay. I had the chiefs beating the Browns by three. Why do I think it's gonna be a close game? Because I think the Browns are going to control time of possession. I think the Browns are better than what people think. But I think the Chiefs ultimately are too talented and too experienced to lose that game. That's where I go there. But I think the Browns definitely have a chance. But I do think that the Chiefs are just too experienced, too talented, and have the home field advantage, even though it's COVID, still have the home field advantage. Now let's look at Ravens-Bills. I have the Bills slightly winning that game. I have the Bills winning 23-20. to And I think it's because I think I believe in Josh Allen a little bit more. I think that their weapons on the offensive side of the ball are better. And Josh Allen's passer rating has been over 100 against top 10 scoring defenses and has a record of 6-1 and one against those teams, right? And I'm talking about passing defenses specifically. He's 7-1 against top 10 overall defenses. So that's, that's how I think good Josh Allen is. I think the Saints beat the Bucs. I think it's going to be a really close game. But I think the Saints ultimately just have too much to beat the Bucs. Now, I'm not trying to bet against Tom Brady because I think Tom Brady's going to play well. But if you just compare, I think the defense of the Saints is just much better. It's more reliable. And offensively, they have so many weapons they can go to. Now, sort of, sort of Tampa Bay. But I think the Saints on paper have the first or second best roster in the NFL right now. So I, I, and at, since they're home too, I'll take them there. I think it's a bad matchup for the Bucs. Now, Rams-Packers. I think this game's going to be close. But I think the, ultimately Aaron Rodgers and that offense is just too good for the Rams offense to overcome the Rams defense is unreal. And I will say that the Rams defense, if they have something to build upon, they just need to get more consistency, maybe from Jared Goff or someone else. Right. But I don't trust Jared Goff right now to deliver against green Bay because I understand people are saying that Aaron Rodgers and Russell Wilson are, are in the same kind of class. Aaron Rodgers, the last couple weeks has been light years above what Russell Wilson has been playing. Russell Wilson has 
not been very good recently. And that's kind of where I go from there. And, you know, whether that's fair or not, I think the Packers are, are just the better team. And I think they have the, the, the hotter, better quarterback, right? The guy who's been playing much better. And that's kind of where I go from there, right? They have a quarterback who's on a hot streak in Aaron Rodgers, AKY is about, about the hotter of the two quarterbacks. And that's kind of where I go from there with those, with that pick. And ultimately, I think at the end of the day, that's where we go, right? So I think it's going to be Packers Saints. I think it's going to be Bills. I think it's going to be the Chiefs. And that's where I go with, with all these picks. Now, again, this is the wrap of my show. This will be up on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Hope you guys enjoy this episode. And for next week, I'll be back on to discuss more topics. Thank you.